Well, good morning, church. Well, your pastor gave a little intro there. Well, I'll just add to that. Uh, it, it, it's, it's good to be home uh, and, and not be home in a way because we live here. Uh, my wife and I, grew, my wife grew up in, up in Paris, so we're, and we still live here on the north side. Uh, my wife grew up in, up in Pearsville Avenue, and I grew up on Federal Street. And was talking to some of your people earlier here and saying, you know, what schools we went to. I, I went to uh, Perry, and my wife went to Perry. And, and so this is home for us. We still live here in Brighton Heights. We live right up on Massachusetts. So it's great to be one minute away from church where uh, we were pastoring out at uh, Walnut Grove, which was about a half-hour drive. So every morning, drive a half hour, half hour back. But this morning, to take one minute to get here was really, really good. And, and as Pastor said, also, it's good to be home. Uh, this, uh, my wife and I, we went to Central Bible College. And then God called, yes, Alma Mater uh, in, in Springfield, Missouri. And God then called us into mission work where we were missionaries over in an island in the South Pacific called Western Samoa. And uh, I didn't know where that place was. I had to go find a globe to find out where Western Samoa is. And this is uh, the directions I'll give you if you ever want to go there. You go to Hawaii, you make a left <laughs> for about 2,000 miles. And there in the middle of the South Pacific, in the middle of nowhere, is a little island. And my wife and I, we pastored there. It was a wonderful experience. Our first child, our daughter, was born there. And so when we came back to, when that assignment ended, we came back to Pittsburgh because this is home and said, God, what next? And uh, I got a phone call one evening from John Holt. And John Holt said, um, you know, our, our board, we've been in prayer and your name came up. Would you come and talk with me? And so uh, that was in, I think that was in 19... Uh, 86 or 87, and so we came, and he shared, a, you know, that they wanted to plant a church over in Lawrenceville, and so I came on staff here. As a matter of fact, uh, that was my office right there. I looked back in there. Uh, Joe Zubak junked it up, okay? <laughs> so uh, that was my office. Uh, uh, Rick Baldwin, youth pastor, that was his office. I was here with John Holt, and Pastor Clayton Sheridan III, and it was an awesome time. And so uh, Bethel has deep meaning to us as far as our first ministry back here. And it has ministry beyond that is this right there is where my wife was filled with the Holy Spirit, right there. This is where God, uh, when I got saved back in 1975, uh, you know, that was the Jesus movement. We were excited about the Lord and we wanted, and, uh, you know, we re went out to Allison Park. And actually, I went to the first service as a born-again Christian at Bethel Assembly of God. But it wasn't here. It was in Bellevue. They were using, uh, what was it? They were using the uh, a YMCA building. They were using that. And then the next Sunday they came here. And so, and so I got in that service just before here. And uh, so uh, 
we were going everywhere. We were telling your pastors and others, say, you know, we were going to Allison Park, and then we would go to an evening service there, and then we, this, uh, do you still have Tuesday services here? Wednesday. Well, they were, it used to be Tuesday. So we came Tuesday service here, Wednesday service somewhere, Thursday was a Bible study, Friday was uh, street witnessing, Saturday was, uh, was prayer, and Sunday is, you might say, that's crazy. But we wanted more God. That's what we wanted. Sunday morning was not enough. Wednesday or Tuesday night was not enough. We wanted more. We were hungry. You know, you eat more than one meal a day, right? We were hungry. And so it, 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 this is home in many ways. A spiritual home is where we were lifted up in the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, began our ministry here. And so it is exciting to be here with you. And as the pastor also said, we just retired after 40-plus years in ministry. I was senior pastor at Walnut Grove for 22 years, and, and uh, so what we're doing now is we're still teaching pastors at Walnut Grove and get the opportunity on Sundays when the situation avails us to come here. So thank you, Pastor. This means a lot to us. It really does to be here. <clears throat> but I want to share the Word of God with you because that's what you really came for, right? You didn't come for me. You didn't come for me to hear you tell you about old times. You came here to Word of God. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to share and we're going to break the Word of God this morning. And so we bow our heads. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you. And not only do we need you, we want you. We want to hear from you this morning. And Lord, I, as the speaker, as the preacher, I say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I don't want to hear myself speak. And so, Lord, I ask that by your spirit, you would speak through me, to me, and to everyone in this room. So, Lord, bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in the book of Ezekiel, so you want to turn to that, get ready. We're not going to read it yet, but get your places there in your Bibles. Pastor says he doesn't make New Year's resolutions. I, I do and I don't. Sometimes we don't because we know we're going to mess up, so why even try, right? But uh, I, I think when we start a new year, we, we start thinking about two things. And I think that the first thing is we reflect on the year that's just passed. Some of the things that's happened in your life. So I mean some, you know, some, some happy things, some sad things. But, you know, when, you, when that clock hits at midnight and it turned 2023, we, we do tend to look back and say, what was 2022? Well, it was better than 2020 and 21, I'll tell you that. But you, you, you look back. And I think it's important. Someone once said, if you want to know how, where you're going, you've got to know where you've been. Think about that for a second. It's the things in our past that help launch us into the future, too. So uh, th this year, new year, turning into a new year, we, we think about the past. But 
But the other thing is we do think about the future. That's the second thing is we, we do make resolutions. And uh, although you might not do it officially, you, you in your mind say, I want to do this. You know, what's the one? We always want to lose weight, right? We want to call friends who we haven't talked to before. We want to restore relationships. We want to get a new job, a new hobby, get out of debt. You know, we have to make all these resolutions, these things for the future. <clears throat> and, and I do, but I, but I do think there's something powerful about looking back when we reflect. Because I think if you don't look back and see where you were at or where you need to be, you can't really plan for the future. And the Word of God and the Spirit of God will do that. You know that. If you in yourself aren't reminding yourself of some things that need to be changed, He'll remind you. The Word of God will speak to those things. <clears throat> and so if you have your Bibles and you're Turn to Ezekiel chapter 16. I'm going to be reading about maybe 10 verses, but I just want to start with verse 3. So Ezekiel 16, verse 3. Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, Your origin and your birth are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite, and your mother was a Hittite. You say, well, pastor, that's a weird verse. What well, was a weird statement to Jerusalem? It was a weird statement to Israel, too. Because, But to help us understand a little bit, I just want to give you a little background. Is the message is addressed to a city. Although... It's really addressed to a people. It's really addressed to Israel. But God does it in a different way. He addresses it to Jerusalem. And he says to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are from the land of the Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. These were pagan people. And if you know your Bible history, and even if you don't, I'm going to remind you, that when Israel went into the promised land and began to grow and prosper as a people, under David, there was this city on a plateau. That It was a Jebusite city. It was a Canaanite city. It was a wicked pagan city. David conquers that city. And he, that city eventually gets named... And what's its name? Jerusalem. So in a sense, God's speaking to them and saying, you know there was a time, Jerusalem, where you weren't a godly city. You, were, you weren't a city that glorified God. Matter of fact, you were a pagan city. You weren't full of Israelites. You were full of Amorites and Canaanites. And Hittites and Jebusites, you're all these ites, right? You're full of wicked, pagan people. 
And yes, you were a city set on a hill, but you weren't called Jerusalem at that time. So he's reminding them of some, he's making them look back. Yeah, that's right. Our forefathers were not Israelites when we're talking about that city. It was a pagan city. And then he goes on, verses 4 and 5. He says, as for your birth. Now he gets really metaphorically. Pastor this morning when he was doing communion used the metaphor of drinking the blood of Christ, which is a metaphor, really, of taking him into our life. And the bread, you eat his body, which we don't, we're not, I like how you said, we're not cannibals, right? But it means something. There's a symbolism there. There's a metaphor there. So here, the prophet, he gets metaphorically again, but he gets really, really strange. Because what's he say? He says, as for your birth, who's he talking about? He's talking about the Israelites, God's people. He says, as for your birth on the day you're born, your navel cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in clothes. No eye looked pity with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown into the open field, you're poured on the day of your birth. What's he talking about? He's using a metaphor, analogy of an abortion. Is what he's doing. He's talking about a child that is unwanted, unloved, thrown out. He gets very medical and clinical, doesn't he? He says, even your navel cord wasn't cut. You weren't rubbed with salt, which is what they would do as a purification for babies at that time. They didn't have antiseptic. They used salt. He said, no one even took care of you. No one, your mother didn't even care for you. You were bored. You were thrown out. You were thrown in a field. That's what they would do at that time. They were they called the exposed. You put them out for nature to kill the baby or, you know, climate and cold, heat, an animal. You just threw it away. He said, that was you, Israel. He's making them look back, and he's doing it in a very graphic way. He said, when people walked past you, they had no compassion on you. They didn't wrap you. They didn't care for you. Matter of fact, they abhorred you. He's saying, Israel, do you remember where you came from? Remember you were slaves? Do you remember how abused you were and insignificant and unloved you were? Do you remember how it was in the wilderness that you were just struggling? You had no city. You had no, you know, you, you were just looked on as this a scattering of these wandering people who were ex-slaves. That was you. Now remember when he's talking now, Israel is, Israel is glorified. Israel has cities. Israel has armies. Israel has wealth. But he's saying, look back. That's not the way it's always been. Matter of fact, your city that you glorify as Jerusalem used to be a pagan city. And you, who you think are so great, there was a time no one loved you. 
You were looked on as worthless. And then this powerful verse comes in verse 6. It says, when I pass by you, now who's he talking about? God. God's saying, when I passed by you, when I looked at you, when I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, and I said to you, while you were still in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, while you were in your blood, live. I heard your cry from Egypt. I heard your cry in the wilderness where you're hopeless and helpless and worthless. And you were squirming there, struggling, Israel. And I walked past and I said, live. Then, verse 8, Then I passed by you and saw, and behold, you were the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. And I swore to you and entered into a covenant with you that you would be mine. Now he's talking about marriage. He said, not only am I going to be your protector and your savior, I'm going to be your husband. So I swore to you and entered into a covenant with you that you would become mine, declares the Lord. Then I bathed you with water, washed off your blood from you, and I anointed you with oil. So he makes a covenant. He said, you're going to be my people. You're not going to be slaves anymore. You're not going to be outcasts anymore. You're not going to be treated worthlessly. A matter of fact, you're going to be my bride. And then he goes on in verse 10. He said, I exalted you. I clothed you with embroidered cloth. I put sandals on your feet. I wrapped you with fine linen, clothed you with silk. I adorned you with Ornaments. I put bracelets on your feet, necklaces on your neck. I put a ring in your nostril, earrings in your ears, a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver. Your dress was of fine linen, silk, embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour, honey, oil. You were exceedingly beautiful, and you were advanced in royalty. They're exalted. He said, you remember how it was in Egypt? Well, you're not in Egypt anymore. You remember how it was in the wilderness? You're struggling. You're eating manna from heaven. You're eating quail when it happens to be blow your way. That's not the way it is anymore. Remember, he had no cities. Remember, you know, my, my glory was in a tent. Now it's in a tabernacle. You remember those days? You remember people would laugh at you? Now the queen of Sheba comes to see your glory. You remember that days, Israel? But they had forgotten where they came from. 
They had forgotten. See, it's important when we enter new phases of our life, when we end the tick of a clock from 11.59 becomes midnight, it's important to look back. Because that's what God is speaking to Israel. He said, remember where you came from. Now take a look at where you're at. See, that was Israel's story. They'd fallen. The city that was once was a pagan city that became a city where the temple of God was had been full of pagans again. They'd forgot their glory. It came from the Lord. So here's my question for us. That was Israel. Who were you before Christ? Think about that. Me? I was a drug addict before Christ. I was a drug addict before Christ. Cut off from my family. Didn't know where I was going. Had no hope for the future. I was lost. That's who I was. I'm not that man today. But it is important that I look back and say, to remember where I came from. Folks, remember where you came from. Has Jesus changed you? Praise the Lord. Has blessing come into your life? Praise the Lord. Has addictions ended? Praise the Lord. But remember where you came from, lest we, like Israel, forget and end up going back to that. We were helpless and hopeless and struggling. Just like that child that had been cast aside to the elements, that was us. And then Jesus found us. <laughs> he walked by my life, Bill Gallus. 1975, second Sunday of July, at down at the Light of Life Rescue Mission, sitting there with the other alcoholics, drug addicts, homeless, helpless, broken people, and God by His Spirit walked by and said, live. Bill, live. And he washed me off. And he embraced me. And made me his son. I'm reminded of the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan because it sounds so similar, doesn't it, to this story in Ezekiel. It said, in Ezekiel, it said that people, when they saw that aborted child in its misery, in its filth, 
said, I'm not touching that. Does that remind you of the parable of the Good Samaritan? There's a man been beaten and broken and half dead. The priest walks by. He goes on the other side. And a Levite walks by. Ooh, I'm not getting involved with that mess. And then a Samaritan. Then Jesus walks by and says, you are a mess. But I will pick you up. And I will clean you off. And I will say to you, live. And I won't stop there. I will pick you up. And I will exalt you. And I will make you my son or my daughter. And I will make you royalty. Isn't that what it says? Royalty. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Isn't that the word of God? That he walked by us? We were slaves. We were broken. We were hopeless. We were helpless. We were abhorred. The world looked at us and saw no value in us. And he said, I see value in there. And I will get my hands dirty. And I will come down to this earth. Isn't that what we celebrated? Christmas? God coming down and getting his hands dirty? And picking us up. And not only brushing us off. But say, I think I'll keep you. I think you'll keep you as my daughter, as my son, as my bride. Have we forgotten, church? Have we forgotten where we came from and what he did for us? <clears throat> I want to leave you with a couple thoughts. If you're outside today and you see a $100 bill laying on the ground, will you pick it up? How fast? <laughs> if you went by today and saw a $10 bill laying on the ground, would you pick it up? Absolutely. If you saw a dollar bill laying on the ground, would you pick it up? Absolutely. But let me tell you what most of us wouldn't pick up is a penny. And especially, and especially if it's laying in filth. Let me tell you a story, true story. I'm getting gas in my car. Just about two years ago, I'm getting gas in my car. You know, you don't have much to do. It's 
filling up your tank. You're just sort of staying in there. And I notice there's a penny. Now, it's wet and rainy like it always is here. And it's laying there. It's dusty. It's dirty. It's wet. I see the penny. And I go about my business. And I feel, I, I believe I hear a voice speak to me. He said, why don't you pick up that penny? I said to myself, because it's just a penny. Why won't you pick up that penny? Because it's not worth much. Why won't you pick up that penny? Because I can't do much with it. Why won't you pick up that penny? Because it's dirty. And I heard this voice. I picked you up. I picked you up. And you were dirty. And the world says not much value. But I picked you up. And so I picked it up. You ever see those pennies that have been laying there for a long time? They're beat up. You know why they're laying there for a long time? Because lots of people walked past them. Lots of people saw it. Can't be bothered. Not worth much. It's dirty. Got more important things to do. Not picking that up. So in the course of time, that penny gets marred, gets run over, gets stepped on. Sounds like us. God says, but I picked you up. And so I picked it up. He said, you know what I did, God said, when I picked you up? I put you in my pocket. Made you mine. And you know what I'm going to do with you in my pocket? I'm going to spend you. I'm going to use you. God's honest truth. I never walked past a penny since. And guess what? Neither will you. And they're out there. They're out there. Waiting to be picked up. Waiting to be put in the pocket. Waiting to be used. Last Sunday, we had a celebration here in Pittsburgh. <coughs> 50th anniversary of what? The Immaculate Reception. Frank O'Harris. Wasn't it? Uh, I, I, I think it's poetic beauty that we actually were still playing the Raiders. A team against that reception had. And for you who are too... I don't know how you can be brought up in Pittsburgh and not know about the Immaculate Reception, okay? Playoff game, ball was 22 seconds left. Let me just give you a little. That game was not televised because back then, if it wasn't a sold-out game, they didn't televise them. There's, things have changed, folks. So I had to listen to that game on the radio. 
22 seconds left. He's scrambling. Bradshaw's desperate, right? He just throws it. Frenchie Fruqua, right? He says he'll take it to his grave. He didn't touch that ball, right? Bounces off a defender. Franco picks it up an inch from the ground. Runs for a touchdown. We win our first playoff game. And that, for NFL history, has become known as the Immaculate Reception. Folks, I'm going to tell you what the Immaculate Reception is. That's when we accepted Jesus Christ. That's the Immaculate Reception right there. That we received Jesus. That we were lost. That we were broken. That we were hopeless. That we were helpless. That we were in the dirt. And people looked at us and said we were worthless. And to be ignored. And no one had involved himself with us. And he came by. And he looked at us and said, live. Live. And we received him. And it was amazing. And it's beautiful. And it's awesome. And I will not forget it. Church, don't forget where you came from. We are all pennies, marred, dirty, seen as unimportant until someone picks us up and puts it in his pocket. And now my life has changed. My life is better. My life is beautiful because of him. And I will never forget it. So this week, when you leave this place today, this week, take a look on the ground. You'll see yourself there. Pick it up and say, thank you, Jesus, for picking me up. Let's pray. I don't know if there's anybody here that's to say, well, pastor, that's how I feel. I feel worthless. I feel unloved. I'm broken and marred. I don't know what the future holds for me. <clears throat> if that's you, I'm going to tell you what the future holds for you. If you will let God hold you, it's a beautiful future. He will polish you. If need, he will recarve you. And then there is someone and somewhere and some ministry that needs you, and he will prepare you for that. So if you say, I want, I want the immaculate reception. I want to receive Jesus today. I want to say to him, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. I want you to come into my life and change me. You just pray with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I love you. I need you. I want you. Clean me. Fix me. 
Prepare me. Use me. Be my Savior. Be my God. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Be my Savior. And Lord, for us, who maybe we prayed a prayer like that many years ago, but maybe we forgot. We were blessed. You took us from the gutter and lifted us up. You took us, we had nothing, now we have much. We were addicted, we're free. But we have forgotten where our blessing came from. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, because we are any good thing that we have, it came from you. Every good and perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights. Use us, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for blessing us. But, Lord, now let us be a blessing. Thank you for walking past us and helping lift us up. Lord, may we be a Samaritan and not walk past anybody who needs help. Lord, bless this church. Bless these people. In Jesus' name, amen.